Hey friends, and welcome back to Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as my friend Linda likes to say, it's the show that helps you grow. It is. My name is Jason. This is Linda. We're on the Spiritual Growth Team. This is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts, and we're really excited today to welcome our friend, Pastor Tom Holliday, with us. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm glad to be on the show that helps you grow. <laughs> We just got to celebrate uh, Tom and his wife Shondell this last weekend at Saddleback because um, just like Rick um, is in a season of transitioning out to a new senior pastor, Tom and Shondell are also in the process of transitioning out as well after 31 years at Saddleback. Is that correct? Yeah, 31 plus. 31 plus. plus yeah, there's that little you know extra extra time added there. <laughs> um, so what we wanted to do today, uh, this weekend we got to celebrate Tom and Shondell. What we wanted to do today was kind of spend a little bit of time talking with Tom about his ministry, talking about uh, his his life in ministry, even before Saddleback, his time here, some lessons learned, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, I want to start off by acknowledging that uh, Tom is the OG Saddleback podcaster, uh, because right. it was Drive Time Devotions started yes, as a podcast true. long before podcasts became like, you know, a hot medium. You know, yeah. the first name for Drive Time Devotions was actually iPod Bible Studies. That's right, because wow. they would go on your iPod. Because it was the you could only way you them. could listen back then. There were right. other little iPod. devices that didn't work very well. <laughs> so there was no iPhone yet or anything like that. So uh, that was the only way to listen at the beginning. And now Drive Time Devotions has something like over 30 million downloads. So it's been it's been doing well yeah. in this time. Or at least it's been there a long time. It's, <laughs> it's been there a long time, but each one still racks up. And, and yes. I think you've done, have you, have you done every book? Of the Bible now? No, I'm praying the Lord doesn't have me <laughs> do Leviticus. We'll just I think see. you've, yeah, I think, okay. So, I'm so working done, through finishing up Psalms right now. Okay, yeah. so that is a feat. So you've yeah. been done almost every book, yes. I believe, at this point. At least all the New Testament Definitely. and the most of the Old. So very cool. And then um, and then just as, just for our listeners to know, I have a special relationship with Pastor Tom because I got to work for you for two and a half years. Yeah, I love that. Yes. And, uh, and I got to work with Linda as well with Foundations. Yeah. So That's right. all of us have these strong relationships. We have a history together, together. Yes. which just makes the questions that we've come up with extra incisive. <laughs> um, so, Tom, let's dive into this a little bit. I wanted to ask you, when you think back about your life before becoming a Christian— so this was back in high school is when I believe yes. is when you became a Christian, right? Um, so if you think back to your life before then, and then you think back to pastoring a church in Northern California, yes, and then to your 31 years at Saddleback, what words come to mind? Ooh, that's a long, uh, <laughs> that's a long question. I, I think uh, when, you, when, you, when you take a look at, anybody takes a look at their whole life, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the sovereignty of God and his hand at work in your life mm-hmm. is so very important. Yeah. You know, before I became a Christian, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I think a lot of people, before they come to know Christ, they've got really some strong goals and ideas. And um, just because of the way I was brought up, my personality, the circumstances that surrounded me, I was just trying to make it through, kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really have this strong sense of, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Uh, but once I came to know Christ, pretty quickly I knew that I was supposed to teach the Bible. Mm. Wow. I, uh, you know, I was a fairly new Christian, but when somebody would say, hey, does anybody want to teach a Bible study? I'd go, yes. Well, I'm six <laughs> months old as yeah. a Christian, you know, and maybe I wasn't the best person to do it. But I, I believe that was the Holy Spirit. Mm. It wasn't na- natural to me to say, yes, I'm going to put myself out in front. I want everybody to see me. Uh, that wasn't really where I was at that point. And so... Uh, that has been really a theme through everything that I have done mm-hmm. is to uh, have the opportunity to share with people God's word and what it means in our lives and how it can change our lives and help us to follow him. I like that. And it's a great reminder that people are called to live out their faith in different ways. Some people are called to go to different countries to meet with people who don't speak English you know, or language and try to communicate in that way. People are called to to lead in worship, into you know, use their gift of song. Some people are called to 
different acts of service, and you felt this immediate call to teaching I did, I the did. Bible. When I first became a believer, yeah, I think it feels different for different people when yeah. they sure. come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. I think some people feel relief. Sure. It's a huge release. I, I think other people feel this sense of um, fellowship, of closeness to God. Mm. And I felt some of those things, but far beyond those, I had in my life this overwhelming sense of purpose mm. that wow. I hadn't had before. All of a sudden I knew my life has meaning. Yeah, There's a reason that I'm on this planet. And I didn't understand that. Before. I didn't have it before wow. without knowing Christ. And so uh, I think that is a, a key. I mean, we are a purpose-driven I was church. just going to say, yeah. and so, who would have uh, thought how important that word purpose would be in the course of your ministry? But sometimes ministry. I don't, I think we depersonalize that a little bit. We think about mm-hmm. the five purposes, you know, I'm supposed to do the five purposes. Don't forget that the main point of the purpose-driven life is that God has a purpose for your life yeah. right. built around those five purposes that he has something specific and significant that he wants to use you for. Everyone who's listening to this, I know that's true of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because I know you, but because we know the Lord, and we know that the Lord has a purpose for every one of us. Yeah. Mm, that's so good. I, 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 I love that idea of this early call to purpose and how you can see through all of your years of ministry that that has been just kind of the through line. Yes, it has. That's neat. And I love that it wasn't like you had already been, you know, doing public speaking in the debate team and like you were always in front of people and you just changed your topic. It's like it was a whole Yeah, that wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it was I mean, it was it was a passion for his word, but also a whole new set of skills and a bit I mean, because I mean, people say that the thing that they fear almost as much as death is public speaking. Yes. And suddenly you're volunteering yes. for <laughs> about something that you just learned about. That's so, amazing to think about. Yep. That's incredible. I love that. I love that. So if you, when you think over all of these years of ministry, what would you say would be the most important lessons that you've learned? What are the most important things? Well, let me... Let me read for you. This is my quiet time this morning. Okay. I'm going to be reading through 1 Corinthians right now. And 1 Corinthians chapter 2, these are the verses that I had this morning. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human mm. wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, Paul's writing. He says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And we we talked about some of this just this last weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you haven't listened, you can go back and listen. (laughs) I I think one of the greatest lessons I've learned is uh, that we can do things in our human power Mm -hmm. that have a certain appearance of strength mm-hmm. and even of success but it's only by god's power that we can see eternal results yeah we can see genuine and significant results uh it's very easy i like to measure things and i think we should measure things in mm-hmm. the church mm-hmm. i think it helps us to understand uh what's happening and what's not happening <laughs> but it's also important to remember that the most important thing that's happening in people's hearts and lives is something we can't measure, right? eternal change. And so getting more people to a class that doesn't bring about eternal change, we're just spinning our wheels. Right. It's really not worth it. So the idea that Saddleback is all about numbers, it's never been that way for me. As I, as I think about meetings with Rick and all of our leaders, it's never been about that, that for us. Numbers is one of those things we use to evaluate, are we potentially impacting sure. more mm-hmm. people? But it's only when you have personal conversations with people exactly, and find out what's going on in their hearts and in their families and in their habits mm-hmm. that you start to see has genuine change started to happen in people's lives. And we can all recognize it, I think. You, you can recognize, even in your own heart, am I, am I following God out of a sense of fear of what he's going to do to me or out of a sense of rules that I've got to keep these rules and there's an anxiety somebody's going to discover if I don't keep these rules? Or has this new grace come into my life mm-hmm. that has really changed the way I see myself and everybody else, the way I'm able to forgive, accept God's forgiveness in my own life and give it to other people? 
and has this new hope come into my life that causes me to see any circumstance differently because I, I'm seeing it in light of heaven and eternity and not just in light of now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we, we do need to evaluate, and this has been part of who I am, is evaluating what's happening by looking at what we can see on a human basis. Sure. But only when you dig in deeper to your own heart. And, and maybe you're not like, okay, I'm growing a church and I got to look at numbers. But you're an individual who has to look at, okay, what's going on in my heart? And it's not about, am I having more quiet times than I did last year? Mm-hmm. You know, right. Am I going to church more often than I did last year? Did I get more people to come to my Bible study or my small group than last year? Is genuine change happening mm-hmm. in my heart? That's the evaluation that we have to look to. And I've learned that again and again and again and again. And <laughs> I, I think one of the, one of the things that I've, that's really helped me in learning this is understanding that we can we can learn from everybody. We need to learn from everybody. Right. Church should learn from business. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. should learn from our critics, from our enemies. Sure. Actually, we should learn from everybody, but we shouldn't take everybody's uh, values along with what we yeah. learn. Right. We need to understand we have entirely different values. We're not a business. We're a family. Mm-hmm. We're not a, a place a manufacturing place that's trying to pump out you know more more disciples <laughs> we're, we're this we're this amazing body of christ in this world and understanding those new testament pictures of what the church really is mm-hmm. has been just very very important to me many 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 times it seems like a big part of of uh, of this lesson that you've been talking about is this encouragement this constant encouragement to not just stay on the surface but to go deeper not in yourself and with others and because there can be a temptation to just keep doing more, keep trying to pump out things like you were talking about, you know, get those numbers higher. And in the business world, sure, that makes sense. And, you know, but that's staying everything on a surface level because that, that's where it exists. But at the church, our call in, in where true life change happens is that internal, is, is that personal, that relational um realm that that we are called to live differently in and yes, that we're called yeah. to the, this yeah. this verse these verses i just read talked about wisdom yeah and mm-hmm. god's wisdom and there's a difference between human intelligence and god's wisdom uh human intelligence is is doing things right mm-hmm. and god's wisdom is doing the right thing mm. oh, that's and good. so with human intelligence and I, I've fallen into this sometimes, without a doubt. It's like, okay, we're having a new campaign for small groups in our church. How can we do it better than we've ever done before? Sure, How can sure. we do it right? But before that, I need to ask the question of timing. Are we supposed to do a campaign this fall? Sure. Mm-hmm. Lord, we've done one for the last five falls, and they've been successful, but maybe you have something different for us this year. Mm-hmm. And taking that beat, that moment to listen before you just repeat which you did before, mm-hmm. expecting it's going to be successful. Anybody who's a parent understands this. You can't, <laughs> you can't just keep doing, there's many things you have to keep doing the same. But especially as your kids get older, you have to start asking for God's wisdom to change some things up sometimes. Because if you don't, it just all becomes rote and habit and, okay, it worked. But it didn't really create what you wanted to see created. Mm-hmm. Same thing's true in our hearts. The same thing's true in the church. Yeah, it's like the idea... Of keeping a sign in your office that just says, "Lean not on your own understanding." Right. That encouragement right. to always go back to you know God. It's not just you know it's not just the people on the staff of the church who are making the decisions. Is God needs to be intimately involved right. in in the process. Right. And you know, God. Uh, so what do you think about that? You know, is, is <laughs> it's that reminder to say you know He's in the room. Yeah, and, and not to repeat too much from the weekend, but. <laughs> The, the truth is, if you're going to stay on his path, you have to stay close to him. Absolutely. It's about a relationship. Yeah. It's, that's how you, how you know where Jesus wants you to go. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the picture of the early disciples following Jesus, they could see him. They could yeah. hear him. They were in relationship with him. So if it's a set of precepts or rules that somebody else has followed or that you want to tell somebody else how to follow, yeah. you've really missed it. It really is, like we talked about, it's, it's about a relationship. So, I wanted to ask you, too, what are some things that you have learned about how to get through difficult seasons in life? 
Yeah, I've been through a lot of difficult <laughs> seasons. I think we all have. And yeah. um, I think for me personally, one of the keys is putting an eye on eternity mm-hmm. and recognizing it's not just about this earth. And it's one of the things, as I've pastored people for many, many years, that I think maybe I'm most concerned about. Because I talk to so many people who say, I just can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, just, they just really feel like somebody has taught them along the way, I think, that putting an eye on eternity is not being real about this world. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's lying to yourself. And that's just simply not true. Uh, th- we have to all develop in ourselves this muscle that recognizes our time on this earth is so extremely short. Mm-hmm. And our time in eternity is so long. But you have to do it in a way. I think what, pe- what bugs people is they've met a lot of people who say they've got an eye on eternity, and they seem to not care about anything on this earth. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you have a passion for the hurt you're going through and other people are going through and also have an eye on eternity? The person who's able to do that is the person mm-hmm. who I believe is living in the will of God. And I certainly haven't always gotten that right. In fact, I, I think there's like these few moments when I've gotten it right in life. <laughs> oh, Oh yeah, it's clicked in. And then five minutes later, I'm struggling with it's the circumstances. Yeah. But I'm going to keep struggling. That's what I'm inviting everybody to do, is to keep struggling to keep this eye on eternity. Uh, because I know in the very most difficult times, what's brought peace to my soul is to just say, okay, uh, the Lord's in it, and I can put an eye on him. Mm-hmm. So, so just to be practical yeah. about it, uh, Personally, what's gotten me through those times, keep, keeping my eye on eternity, when you're going through difficult times, you tend to wake up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and your mind just goes over whatever happened. And what has helped me personally is to memorize some longer passages of scripture that I could go over when I woke up in the middle of the night. Yeah. It just helps me to focus my heart and mind in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be something that you've memorized pretty well because you're sleepy in the middle of the night. <laughs> you don't want to wake up enough to try to remember it. And I'm, I'm not sure this is for everybody. I mean, I think there's other people that you might need to get up and journal. There, mm-hmm. There's other things that some people need to do that works for them. Mm-hmm. But whatever you do, it needs to get your eyes on the Lord. Mm-hmm. It needs to get your eyes on eternity because that's the truth. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. I mean, your feelings are true when you're going through a difficult time. But the lasting truth is the Lord. Your feelings aren't going to last. The lasting truth is eternal hope. And your circumstances aren't going to last. So that's, that's what has helped me through a number of difficult times. Mm. Yeah, that's great advice. It's, I, I love that encouragement to, re, to f- focus on the things that are deeply rooted, like God's truth. Right. Like, <clears throat> like the hope of eternal life, you know. And... Instead of the things that are so easily come and go, that are so easily, yes. and that reminder of things that last and things that do not last, in the moment it can feel so hard, obviously, yeah. because emotions and, and feelings are are strong, and, and they can be, and they can feel almost inescapable. Um. But as we talked about in, in our last question, as we were just talking about, uh, that reminder that God's presence, that God is with you in that, yes. and that you can call on him, yes. and his spirit lives in you, um, that, is that, that, that is that power that can quell those feet, you know, those things that you're doing. I, I'd say, you know, if I, if I look at my at ministry, we're talking about yeah. ministry and 40 years of ministry. Yes. <laughs> I was 10 years in a smaller church up in Northern California, and now I've been... 30 plus years here in Saddleback <laughs> in a little bit bigger church than that one was. Yeah. And um, I, I would say for me, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people are wired like this, when when the circumstances and problems are from the outside, yeah. like we had a flood yeah. uh, in, in, in Marysville, five years into my ministry there, that was motivating to me, actually. Hmm. Like, mm-hmm. okay, what can we do? What are the opportunities sure. in the difficulty? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are wired like that when a problem comes from the outside. Uh, I think when the problems come from the inside, like I've done something wrong, I've, I've messed up, I didn't take a hold of an opportunity, I didn't love people like I needed to love people, I'm struggling with my family, I think that that's a different kind of issue. And mm-hmm. those are issues we all face as well. And th- those issues tend to make you, instead of look for the opportunity, 
for a lot of us, they make us listen to the accuser. Mm. They, they let, mm. they open the door for Satan to say, yeah, that really is what you're like. Yeah. You really <laughs> didn't deserve any of this. Yeah. Mm. What do you, who do you think you are? All, all these accusations that flood in. And we just need to remember who we are in that moment, that we're a child of, child of the King yeah. and that he loves us deeply. And, I think more, many more people crumble because of those internal accusations mm. than external circumstances that are difficult to walk through. You know, we, we're we're pretty good in America at like, all right, that's it. You know, I'm gonna, we're, here we go. We're going to charge the hill because we got a difficult circumstance. Yeah. But it's when the accusations come inside that we've mm-hmm. got to really find some strategies for recognizing, okay, that's not true. Yeah. That is not true of me. Mm-hmm. What God says is true of me. I mean, those those facts might be true, yeah. but what those facts say about who I am, what the accuser's saying about who I am because of those facts, that's not true. I'm still loved. I still have a purpose. Yeah. God still has a path for me. That is the truth that you can hang on to. Wow. Yeah, I love, I love just that reminder because sometimes in the midst of circumstances, not only does he throw accusations at you, but about who God is, right? See, God's right. not faithful. He's not going to rescue you this time. He's not going to, you know, yes. and it's that same thing. Right. We have to go back to. That's exactly the truth, Linda. He, he accuses. He accuses the truth God. about who God is. You know? <laughs> Dangerous practice, but <laughs> he does it. Speaking of practices though, you know, on the spiritual growth team and through class 201, which I know you pastored for many years, we talk about habits and the habits we build into our lives that help us grow and walk with Jesus. So as you think about the habits that you have in your life, what would you, where have you seen the most fruit? Like what are the habits that have brought the most fruit in your life? So yeah, I, you know, for my first 10 years at Saddleback, I was a pastor of spiritual maturity. Right. So that meant we were teaching class 201, which is our right. spiritual maturity class every month, at least sometimes twice, twice a month <laughs> in those years. So, so I taught that class uh, about 120 times. Nice. I could still teach it right now for you if you're ready for the... Ready I believe because. it. And <laughs> so, we'll see you so next time. We'll start recording this. about habits of maturity, uh, it's hard for me not to think about the habits that we talk about, the sure. simple habits yeah. in that class. And for me, uh, a daily quiet time mm-hmm. is, is what's brought the most fruit in my life. And it's not long. It's 10 minutes, 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just read the number of verses that I usually read yeah. Yeah. Uh, in that quiet time, and then I'll write down, okay, what did the Lord say to me yeah. out of that? And many, many times he'll remind me of something that happened yesterday and a way to see it in a different way. Sure. Mm. Many, many times he's warning me, I found, about something that's going to happen that day. Mm. Like, oh, I, I didn't get much out of that. And then later that day, <laughs> You're oh, like, what? he knew in advance what I needed <laughs> yeah. to yeah. say that to me. Sometimes I don't really get a ton out of it. You know, it's like, well, that was okay. But I tell people it's sort of like eating breakfast, you know, or, eating, yeah. you know, if you feel like, well, that wasn't the best meal I ever had, it still nourished you. Yeah. Sure. It, it still gave you what you needed for that day. Some meals are more memorable than others. There's no doubt about that <laughs> or tastier to you than others, but they all nourish you and you need food every day. You know, I, I understand fasting and those kind of things, but <laughs> yeah. generally we need we need nourishment every day, and you need the nourishment of God's word. Mm-hmm. You know, my daily bread we talk about. Mm-hmm. So that's huge for me. Yeah, uh, the habit of giving is really really significant mm-hmm. uh, for Shondell and I. We just have uh, enjoyed being able to give all of our lives mm-hmm. uh, a tithe and more than a tithe all of our lives. Even when we started out as young pastors. Uh, a young pastor in a little church. We didn't. We weren't paid very much in that little <laughs> church, but we knew that that commitment was the most important one in our lives. And to look back and see how God has blessed others and also blessed us through sure. that, changed the way we, we look at things. I think the number one sin, certainly in Orange County, maybe in all of America, is materialism. Mm-hmm. I really think um, we tend to think that things are going to make things better, sure, and they don't. No, they, don't. they can make things easier. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt. You know, yeah. It's easier to live on a million dollars than it is to live on $120. Yeah. You know, I, I get that. It can make things seemingly easier, yeah. but you don't have to know very many rich people to know they got some problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually the money may have created some depth of problems in their family and mm-hmm. in their relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, like 
you're into four marriages. Yeah. My, my kids don't want to be with me. What created that? It can be money that mm-hmm. creates that. Right. So materialism is such a rampant sin. There really is protection against that sin by deciding to give. Mm-hmm. And so to, to look back over our lives and see how God has blessed through that and allowed us to give more than we ever thought we could give is a, is a really, for Shondell and I both, is something we really rejoice in right mm-hmm. now. I wanted to go back to when you were talking about um, in your quiet time, and you're talking about how you will write out to uh, uh, thoughts that come in. Is that something that you had always done, or is that something that you developed later? Because I know a lot of people um, struggle with the writing element of it, and so I was just curious how you have viewed that. Yeah, I don't write much. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll That's write good. more. It depends on the day. Sometimes I'll write a lot, and it might become a sermon even later. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but many days it's two or three sentences. Mm. And uh, yeah, from the very beginning, actually, I mean— I'm a writer, so this works for me. It doesn't always work for everybody. I had a, a little uh, a book of you know eight and a half by five and a half pages, mm. and uh, you know I'd write my verses for the day, and I'd write what I thought about it. Mm. Now I do it all on the computer because I love to write on the computer. I I don't have to even think about it, and yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, then I can look back at it sometimes too, and it's really helpful to me. Mm. And so that's always been a part of what's been helpful to me. That's where that's where our personality really comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, for me, journaling has never been a helpful spiritual practice. I've done it sometimes, but it's not really helped me to connect with God's truth in a greater way. Mm. But for tons of people, yeah. they're exactly the opposite yeah. of that. Without journaling, they wouldn't be able to connect with God's truth. To, so to say that one habit or, or, or staple of habits is the way everybody needs to do it, that just doesn't make any sense at all to me. Because you just study church history, just look at our personalities. We're all so different. Well, and I appreciated too that you said that, you know, it's 15 minutes. You know, I mean, personally, you know, we mentioned at the beginning, I've known you a long time and you are a spiritual pillar for us and a, and a just, but to know that it's not like you have to be, you know, sitting there for three hours every morning, you know, it's yes. just that the simple habit undergirds the life that we've known as a friend and mentor and pastor someone who has deeply influenced us. And it's not rocket science. It's 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It, it doesn't have to be something, you know. Yes. Yeah. So exactly you know, right. Overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, in, a, in a relationship, you just need to connect daily. Yeah. You know, this is, there might be some marriage advice in here. <laughs> there, might, there might be some parenting advice in here. Sure. I, I just deeply believe that, mm-hmm. you know, I, and so Shondell and I have always done that. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of mission trips over the years mm-hmm. uh, to a lot of places uh, by God's grace, talking about purpose-driven churches. And um, so it, it was always my habit to connect daily mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in places where you can't really connect, there's a way to try to send a note that eventually gets through. Mm-hmm. And there's something about that that really changes everything. Mm. Yeah. I wanted to to have the opportunity to pick your brain a little bit about the transition process that Saddleback went through. We had Kay on um, immediately yes. a- after Rick yeah. uh, announced that Andy yes, and Stacy would be coming, which, which was really Jeez, yes, you guys terrific. had a good time. Great opportunity. We did. <laughs> it's a great opportunity to hear from her in her perspective. You caught her at a very emotional moment. <laughs> But we had that one, but yeah, it just so happened that uh, that it, that was the day. But we were so very grateful for Kay for being willing to talk with us about that. I, I wanted to uh, hear from your perspective about how uh, about this transition process and just kind of get a sense of what are the things that that you were taking to heart in looking for in and affirming um, as an elder of the church as you know Andy and Stacy as the new leaders what were the thing I, I'm sure each elder each person involved that had been involved in Rick and Kay had different kind of things that they were kind of heaviest on their heart I'm just curious what yours was well it's not a one I mean, there's, several, <laughs> there's actually were, were a number of things sure. that were heavy on my heart or, or weighty might be yeah. heavy sounds like worrisome yes they were important to me mm-hmm. yeah uh it might seem obvious, but the New Testament qualifications for pastor were extremely important. Sure. I, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, the character of a man and of a woman is mm-hmm. what creates the kind of leadership 
that we talk about in the church. Sure. You can you can lead without character in business sometimes, although it usually ends up biting it you. It doesn't in the go end well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but you can't in a church. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. takes character. So all those character qualities that are there were extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the very beginning, uh, having someone whose wife wanted to really strongly be involved mm-hmm. in the ministry of Saddleback mm-hmm. Church was important to me because I've seen what it's meant for Rick and Kay. Yeah. Sure. But I've also looked at a lot of other large churches and just seen what it's meant to have a couple that's involved in doing ministry together, passionate about it. Yeah. I understand that God can do things in different ways where a woman feels like I I don't need to be as as involved and my husband needs to lead a little bit more. I'm doing some other things in my life. And I I believe God can use that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that's a New Testament command. Sure. But I've just seen the health of it. Mm -hmm. I think it helps the church in terms of hearing from a woman's voice some compassion, some heart for the world that's really, really important. Yeah. Not that men never have compassion, <laughs> but we can struggle with it sometimes. <laughs> uh, and, but I've also seen uh, what it does for a marriage, mm. what it does for a family uh, that's really important. And if I'm honest, when I look at churches that have really struggled, it's oftentimes because uh, there's a man or a woman uh, working at the church all the time yeah. And then there's their spouse is not with them all the time. And actually the church is becoming a wedge that's pushing them, them apart. Mm-hmm. And that's an extremely dangerous place to be. Mm-hmm. So that was ext- extremely important to me. Uh, having somebody who understood and was committed to uh, God's purposes mm-hmm. was really important to me. Uh, I really do believe in balancing the five purposes in a church. It's one of, uh, I've, been able to help Rick teach about it all over the years, but it's also, even before I came to Saddleback, it was on my heart uh, hearing Rick teach about it. But even before I heard him teach about it, just seeing that these are the things the church is supposed to do. And if we don't do all of them, we're not, we're not being all that God wants us to be in the world. Hmm. Uh, So that's very important to me. Uh, And having, having somebody who cared about the lost, Hmm. who cared about people who don't know Christ, uh, I think Saddleback's at a stage where we could very easily become a good discipleship church. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean a church that primarily helps believers to grow in their faith. We've got a lot of believers here who need to be growing the next, mm-hmm. we all got to be growing the rest of our lives. Uh, and yet I believe that to balance out what the church needs to be, you also need to be reaching new people. New mm-hmm. babies need to be coming into the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so having somebody who's deeply passionate about that was important to me. Yeah, and it won't surprise you to say to hear me say <laughs> that uh, for me, as I talk with Andy, and we did extensive interviews with yeah. him uh, before he came, uh, I saw every one of those things mm-hmm. in he and Stacy's life, both just very, very clearly. And to, so, when I look at Saddleback now, I I see the future. Yeah, mm, Saddleback that's has exciting. an incredible future mm. of reaching more people for Christ, reaching a next generation for Christ. And helping that next generation to grow up in all of God's five purposes in their lives and reaching other people. Uh, but I think also being an example and an encouragement to other churches. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's something not everybody on this podcast that's listening knows about, but mm-hmm. some of you do, that that's been one of um, God's graces, one of God's gifts that he's put upon this church, mm-hmm. that we've been able to encourage others who have this desire to reach people and to help them to grow up in faith. And it's tough out there right now for pastors, mm-hmm. it really is, mm-hmm. and churches. So to be able to be an encourager of that, uh, people think, well, it's tough. Does that mean the church is over? No, <laughs> it's, it's the body of Christ. All yeah. you have to do is look at history and see, you know, that the church is the thing that's going to last. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it is the thing that's going to last. Jesus said that. <laughs> but we're going to go through tough times. Sure. And having faith in God and letting him purify us, and let, let, uh, having us come out of those times mm-hmm. with a purified vision for reaching people and growing people in Christ, I think, uh, I think he, his leadership is going to be a part of that mm. in the next generation. And I'm just grateful that you made sure that a qualification was that it was somebody who had been on doable discipleship before. <laughs> that was that was really kind of you. Yes, it was to make sure exactly. that was a. <laughs> I forgot to mention that checkbox. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I know it was important. I figured I would just <laughs> yeah. add it to your list. <laughs> so. As you and Shondell think about your next season, I mean, you guys have been in ministry for 40 years. So what does this next season look like for you and Shondell? What do you, 
What are you talking so about? So I, I talked about this a little bit on the weekend. I'll, maybe this might be a little repetitive, but that's, then I'll, that's also, all right. I'll also, uh, I want to go into it a little bit deeper just to yeah, talk to please. the people that are listening. Sure. Not, sure. you know, I mean, I, I care about my next season, but I also care about your next season mm-hmm. if you're listening, whatever that might be. And, and so uh, you, you can tell if you've been at Saddleback attending that we've, we've sort of struggled with even what to call this sometimes. Yeah. Both, both Rick and I, you know. Yeah, you see different words used re- in different retire places. Retire yeah. is a good word, but people don't understand it. I'd, I'd right. love to redefine the word retire mm. somehow. Uh, but when people hear retire, they really do think quit, yeah. move yeah. away, you're done, done. you're leaving. Exactly. <laughs> and and those, that's understandable, but that's not the picture of where we are. So we use these other words. Like some people say, well, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to refire. Yeah. <laughs> or redeploy or yeah, something. Yeah. Yes. Refire. I don't, I, it, it really sounds like, come on, you're 65, you're 66, you're 70. Come on. It sounds like you're whistling in the wind. Just yeah, a little bit. A little hard there, but that. cool. What I don't like about that, it's like, I'm just going to do more than I ever did before. Mm. Well, maybe it's a different season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're supposed to do something different than you did before. That's the idea of different seasons. Yeah. You know, Uh, I I wouldn't encourage a 10 year old to start a business. No, they got some things they need to learn and then they can start a business. I wouldn't encourage necessarily a 70 year old to start a new business either. Maybe you need to help somebody else start a business with all that you've learned. I I think that's part of the season. So redeploy, we've tried that one. (laughs) I think I like repurpose the best because we're a purpose-driven church. So, you know, I think it works. Yeah, I think (laughs) I like that one the best, which doesn't mean you have a new purpose. It just means you're using your purpose in a different way. Yeah. And so we're not leaving Saddleback. We're not moving. Uh, I won't be at all the meetings anymore that I was at, and I won't be in on all the decisions Mm -hmm. that were being made because I really think a new a new leadership team needs to be a part of that. Sure. Uh, not that I don't have energy to do that or don't enjoy doing that. I just think it's a different season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my season is if somebody wants to call me before the meeting and say, hey, what did you learn about this over 30 years? I can tell them about that, and then they can go into the meeting and ignore it or, <laughs> it or whatever they want to do with it. But they're armed with some or, insight. Or they can yes. not call me at all, and I'll be just as happy with that. But that's the season that I'm in is helping those who are leading. I'm still in a season of teaching because that's my primary spiritual gift. So mm-hmm. I'll still do drive time devotions. and Yay. I'll still uh, teach uh, <laughs> yes. small group Bible studies every once in a while for Saddleback. Great. As long Good. as they let me, at least. Uh, <laughs> somebody's going to have to be honest enough at some point when I'm 95 to say, you know, maybe it's time. I know you thought you were refiring, but... <laughs> you're redrooling <laughs> right now oh, in your no, Bible study. So that's no. not cool. So, uh, so I, I, I'm really uh, excited about what that means. I also feel like uh, when you think about this, the, one of the things I would love to do in this season is help everyone who's in this season mm-hmm. to identify how can I take out of what God's given to me, and I just talked about how can I use my primary gift still in significant ways, mm-hmm. maybe not as often, but still. In, so, if your primary gift is administration, how can you help somewhere, and how can I use it in significant ways for God's kingdom, mm-hmm. uh, which for me, means the church. Yeah. There are other organizations that you might be able to work for as well. I get that. But for me, it's always going to mean the church. That's, yeah. sure. that's the center of my heart and life is this love for the church. And so how can I take whatever my primary gift is and, and do some of that in my life? If you're at this stage in life, but also how can I take what I've learned? Here's the main thing you got to do. How can I take what I've learned and pass it on? Mm-hmm. How can I pass it on to other people? Because if you don't do that, if you just know it and you die yeah. and you haven't passed it on, <laughs> you haven't been faithful yeah. with the gifts that God has given you. Mm-hmm. And so those two things, it's not just I'm just passing it on. I think you've got some gifts if you're, if you're coming to this season that you need, need, need to keep using, but you also have some things to pass on. So how do you keep those things two, two things going in your life? I think is pretty important. And that's, uh, you know, that's true for Shondell as well as mm-hmm. myself. Shondell for many, many years, led our pastor's wives ministry at Saddleback. Mm -hmm. And really, by her leadership, created a a, a wonderful um, community Mm -hmm. that strengthened the whole staff and the whole church and in sort of hidden ways, but wonderful ways. Well, last last month, we had a meeting at our house where uh, the new leadership team that was coming in, Mm -hmm. they actually like passed the baton. They took a picture. (laughs) It really wasn't a baton. It was like a 
It was a bubble wand, is yeah. what it was, because that's what we had in our backyard yeah, well, as grandparents. So they passed the bubble wand just as this as as a picture yeah, of this gesture. moment of saying, okay, the leadership is passing on. But Shondell's still going to be around if somebody yeah. wants to give her a call, and they will. I know they will because they have that relationship. So that's a that's a long answer for a short question, but no, uh, I I think that's <laughs> a, I, I love the intentionality of wanting to invest in helping people who are in this season in a season of transitioning out of the day-to-day grind of being in an offer or whatever it is and into that next season. Cause that's not something that's necessarily talked about a lot. It's not, there's probably not a whole lot of books on, you know, on, uh, I, sh- I should say there's a lot of books on how to achieve your goals in business and, and, and become the best lead, you know, whatever to, uh, you know, to uh, climb yes. the ladder. Yes. There's not a whole lot of books on, what what's it like when you're jumping to a different lat, you know, and you're on a different, a, 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 a different yes, pain. Yes. And so I How think do you train for that. Well, Jason, you know. I'm absolutely convinced that the success of the next season at Saddleback mm-hmm. is going to be this group that I'm talking to right now. That's going into a new season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your decision to say, God's calling me into something to help with his kingdom. Yeah. Because the, the future growth of Saddleback is not hiring more and more staff. Yeah. The future growth of Saddleback has always been about getting more and more volunteers involved. Yeah, mm-hmm. But I, I deeply believe that it's getting more volunteers involved at even a higher level than we have before. Mm-hmm. Leadership levels and teaching levels and things that people would have never dreamed they could do for God's sure. kingdom. I just I can see it as clear as a bell wow. that that's what God has for us in the future yeah. in order to reach the numbers of people that we need to reach. I, I know that buildings and staff as many as you can have and as big <laughs> as you can have, they very quickly become the constraint to growth mm. rather mm-hmm. than the thing that produces growth. It feels like it produces growth at first, <laughs> you know, because you got all this energy and you got all this room in the building. But what happens when you fill up the building? What happens when the staff is, the, all their time is filled up? Yep. Yep. You got to have more people involved. Mm-hmm. And it's you, many of you that I'm talking to right now, mm-hmm. it's, it's you. You're the ones that are going to be a part of what God's going to do in the future. So if you're feeling like, uh, you're in this season of retirement, refirement, redeployment, <laughs> repurposing. I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to many of you who are younger, mm-hmm. who maybe uh, our culture has changed. And the amount of time that we have for volunteering actually has risen with some work at home stuff and some other things that are happening. Now, if you've got young preschoolers at home, it's going down. <laughs> that's the your time ministry. You're volunteering. I understand <laughs> yeah. that, that that's your ministry. So there's opportunities in all of those things. For serving God's kingdom and watching what happens with the church. And the, the, obviously the world's never needed the church like it needs it now. Oh, I could sure. say that any day. I, there's no <laughs> time when I couldn't say that with as much conviction. So I, I really have, I, and I know that as I'm saying this, the Lord's speaking to some of you right now. You may go to Saddleback, you might go to another church, but he's speaking to you right now about the Holy Spirit saying, he's talking to me. Mm. I need to get involved. So mm. get trained. We're setting up some places where you can get trained. And then out of that training, see what God does to speak to you about how he wants to use you in this next season of your Mm. life. I loved what you said about sharing what you have learned. And I think for believers at all ages and stages, there's something really powerful. I just was struck by that, that you you have learned so much over 40 years and you want to, to share those lessons. If the, if, you know, if you never share them, they've been wasted I mean, beyond what you learned. And I just think for so many of us, we have learned things that we haven't even really ever said out loud. And yet there might be somebody that needs to hear yes. that very thing. And just the the act of sharing and doing ministry around other people to be able to have the opportunity to share those things and to share what God has taught us, that that's how we grow. Yes. And I just, I yeah. thought that that was just powerful. Cause and I think the, the way you learn those things, everybody knows this, that's listening, is through pain. Yeah. And, and is there I don't another want, way? <laughs> I don't want people to have to go through the same pain. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. I, I remember many years ago, as a young pastor at Saddleback, one of the first people I had to let go. And I mm. really wasn't honest with her about mm. I, I tried to make it all nice and pretty, <laughs> yeah. you know, and. I wanted to build her up in the moment. And I wasn't honest about some things. Mm. And a, a year later, she came to me and said, I've been mad at you all year because I knew why you were letting me go, but you couldn't uh. be honest with me. Well, first, 
the fact that she could tell me that. Mm. Wow. But second, that was a painful lesson. Just looking into her eyes to go, I got to be honest with people. Yeah. In that moment, mm-hmm. as honest as I can. I mean, you can be hurtful. I understand. Right, right, right. But people crave honesty. Mm-hmm. I learned something in that moment mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. what creep. I didn't want to share it. I, I said I was protecting her, but let's be honest, I was protecting myself. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I, I learned that really hard lesson in that moment. I can't say I've always applied it perfectly from then on, but I've really worked on applying it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And that's one example of painful lessons that you learn that you, that you then can pass on to other people. Sure. Sure. So if you're listening and you're having to let somebody go this <laughs> week, somehow a good this is little for nugget, you. yeah. You didn't expect this. But this is for there you, you go. <laughs> Uh, Tom, we want to thank you so much again, like, as we said at the beginning, both Linda and I have been deeply impacted by not just your ministry, but, but just who you are as, um, as a person, as a pastor, as a friend, everything that we were saying, I wanted to ask if you would, uh, give the opportunity to just share any kind of last thoughts, wisdom for this episode with our our people who are listening. You've shared so many good nuggets throughout. (laughs) Is there something else that's kind of, anything that's kind of on your heart or or comes to your mind right now that you would want to leave our listeners with? Well, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. It just sort of slipped out. But in this season of my life and in this, um, in in the circumstances that we're right in right now in the world, uh, my love for the church is something that is very strong mm. in my heart. I, I know that the church is filled with imperfect people, but I also know that God has put us together as imperfect people to be the body of Christ. And it's very obvious to me that the world needs the church right now, deeply, as always. And it's very obvious, I think, to all of us that uh, Satan is attacking our unity mm-hmm. like never before. And um, I, I know we all want to be right, and, and I know we all want to get our point across. And I know we all have opinions. And I want to listen to every one of those. That's what love is, is mm-hmm. to listen to how everybody feels. But if something is attacking my unity with another brother or sister in Christ or with the church, I, I just want to say we need to understand where that attack is coming from and to recognize the opportunity we have to work for unity. Working for unity doesn't mean you just go, ah, it's okay. You know, I don't care. Yeah. It means you, you have a talk about your differences. It's work. And you agree to disagree about some things, but to love each other. Mm-hmm. And it means you talk about forgiveness. We need to talk about forgiveness. Uh, it means you're honest sometimes about the fact that uh, maybe you're working in a ministry with somebody and you see something so differently that maybe like Paul and Barnabas once had to do this. They went their different ways. Right. And, mm-hmm. and God blessed them both and brought them back together eventually. And that could be part of unity even sometimes. I'm not talking about a false, phony kind of unity. But if you have to go your separate ways, you do it with a blessing mm-hmm. yeah. on each of you, not with anger. If you've got anger towards another believer, if you've got anger towards the church right now, ask yourself, where's that coming from? Yeah. Is that coming from the Holy Spirit? If it is, then ask the Spirit what to do about it mm-hmm. and how to deal with it, because we're not supposed to go to sleep on our anger. So i got to deal with it. But if, it's, if you go, I don't think it's coming from the Spirit, then guess who it's coming from? Yeah. Mm. It's coming from the evil one. Mm-hmm. And I know he's attacking the church because I know the church is so significant in the world. Mm-hmm. And I understand some of the sociological reasons why we're under attack right now with COVID and coming out of it. But I, I would just say... Love the church as Jesus loved the church. Mm-hmm. He gave himself for her. And uh, that decision, that's, that's been the driving, when I look back on ministry, that's been the driving thing in my life is this love for the church. I can remember in college trying to decide, okay, I know I'm going to be in ministry. What should I do mm-hmm. in ministry? Because there's a lot of different options. You know, you could be in missions, you could do this. or And I remember... Reading Paul, it's gonna. I'm gonna come up to it pretty soon again in my quiet time now. <laughs> in First Corinthians chapter three, talking about being a wise master builder of churches, mm-hmm. and I thought that's what I want to do. Wow, I want to be a part of building his church, and that passion 
that's never left me. That's still at the, in every decision point that's been, nope, I'm going with the church because mm-hmm. that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so this love for the church would be my last word, <laughs> I think, on this. is uh, nothing more important than that. The body of Christ, the light, the light of God in this world. Mm. That's... Well, that's this kind of the perfect note to end this on. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being here with us, for sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, I'm pretty confident this won't be your last time with us on Doable Discipleship. Uh, yes. We'd always love to have yes. you <laughs> have you back on. And friends, as, as Tom said earlier, you if know, you, the more the you, older you get, the more you appreciate audio podcasts. You know, because you, know, <laughs> you look the same all the I was, time. I was gonna say, <laughs> you remember back to the days where we did video podcasts? Yes, I think you I did do. some with us, and this is much. It's much kinder on the eyes. Uh, that we do it this way now. Um, um, friends, we love you. Oh, I was going to say, uh, if you did not listen or watch the service from this past weekend, um, please make sure to do so. You will hear some of the same stuff, but in a different context. It's worth doing so. And so we will put the link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, so friends, we love you. We'll be back with you again uh, next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week